All right. It looks like we are live. We are finally live. So we're going to go ahead and uh, start the music here and uh, get warmed up. Here we go. With a piece in my hand and bloodshot eyes, I walk to the water for a last goodbye. He begs so much, it clouds my mind. One thing's clear, the man's gotta die. It makes right, so he said, when he held all the keys over our head. I lived in that grip, but now he'll learn at the end with the tables turned. Lord, forgive me Take me oh, Down the river where the guilt can't find A red hand is in us Oh, where the grave can't cry out Cause I done wrong Down the river with a hand on a coat And a finger on the trigger And oh, before dawn they try to find me Take me on down Take me on down I sank that body by the riverbank Caught a boat sap, took off like a hurricane With spotlights, dogs, hit the whole nine yards Breathing down my neck and breathing hard Two weeks in a wild chase Across the highways, mountains Over seven states Found a man at the harbor Said that he could take me Across the ocean somewhere far away Lord, forgive me Take me on Down the river where the kids can't find The red in the center On Where the gray can cry down the river with a hand on a coat and a finger on the trigger and oh, before Tony try to find me, take me on down. Take me on down. Coming on the boarding planks now Staring down a barrel at point blank range I make for the water jumping off the ledge But not before I get to the chest Now there's blood and water filling up my lungs Blood and water filling up my lungs My heart is beating like a fading drum Lord forgive me, here I come It take me Don't 
right, we are live. Um, so it's been a while since I've been able to get my co-host to actually come on my show again. Um, he's constantly saying that he doesn't want to be around there, but I, you know what? I'm able to snake him in um, and bring him in. So let me go ahead and do that, and let's bring in Will, my co-host. Hey, how's it going there, buddy? Hey, what's up, man? Um, hey, real quick before we get started, your uh, your OBS cam uh, shut down earlier, I guess. Um, if you mind to go refresh it, but uh, good to be here. What's up, buddy? What's going on? Yeah, I don't know what's why that happened there. Let me check. Ah, it's on. I'll keep you're it on. Let's see. You're basically ruining my show. That's what you're Am doing. I? You're ruining my show. Here I was trying to help yeah. you out. Yeah. That sounds about right. It's about normal, right? It's about normal how we run with this. So we we are actually able to get on the man, the myth, the legend. So during one of the shows, uh, Will came on and said basically, hey, um, you know what? This guy's videos, we got to watch this. They're fantastic. And I'm like, all right, let me see him. And, and I started watching him. And I'm like, well, you know what? I'm just going to reach out to him. And what's the worst he can say is say no. He doesn't want to be anywhere near somebody from the Coast Guard because, you know, you guys were both, what, Army, right? Something like that whatever um so i was able to track him down he is a uh triathlete i did not know that so you know first he was on the bike and stuff and i had to track run after him and then he was in the water and stuff like that but let's do this let's bring on like i said uh the man here let me i'm gonna turn his microphone on before i bring him on and then let me click on his browser there he is cheers thank you it's, it's getting the party started soon that's good because that's how our shows roll um but I want to thank you for coming on. So we are speaking here with Ryan Macbeth, and he's got a YouTube channel that just dwarfs uh, pretty much me and Will's uh, instantaneously. You exploded. And I see why after binge watching almost all the way back to your Seinfeld episodes, um, which I thought about clipping them and just putting the Seinfeld together. Um, I did that. Did you? Oh, I, I did might that, yeah. roll through it. So, <laughs> just, yeah. I did that just for for people who just wanted another episode of Seinfeld. Yeah, and uh, yeah. that that actually that failed completely. I guess because uh, in in um, cryptocurrency, so the, the Seinfeld episode was really explaining how cryptocurrency works uh, and why you shouldn't use cryptocurrency. Right, and um, I basically built my own crypto system. And I, I showed people how to build a crypto system. And then I said, you know, don't do it. And I, it was like a Seinfeld episode because it's money out of nothing. I, I know. That was brilliant. <laughs> so and apparently, so in crypto, a knots is a number that you're supposed to get in order to complete the block, complete the equation. Right. And apparently knots also means something not so nice in England. That's right. And so that video <laughs> just didn't get any traction whatsoever <laughs> yeah know, it would be it would be like it would be the american equivalent of calling that particular mathematical value a pedo mm, you yeah, know people yeah, would go that, oh that's yeah. not funny yeah that's not that's not so anyways yeah i see how that could falter so let's do this let's start out if you want to give a little bit of background and tell everybody yeah. like you know your credentials um and stuff like that we'll kind of start there sure um so uh my name is Ryan Macbeth. I uh, I was an infantryman for about twenty years, uh, mainly anti-tank. I did some light infantry. When I was whenever I was light, they gave me the anti-tank weapons because I I had that experience, uh, and spent some time as um, mech infantry and what you would call I guess today motorized infantry when the army transitioned to the IBTCs and brigade combat teams, and every light infantry unit got a a, a company 
of uh, Humvees with anti-tank missiles and heavy weapons. So I often say, oh, anti-tank, heavy weapons. Um, and now I, I have three degrees, one in computer science, uh, one in engineering, and one in um, uh, cybersecurity. Um, which actually the first two degrees I got while I was in the military. So there were times I'd be deployed. I would like go out on a mission or whatever and come back. And, you know, everyone else, you clean your weapons, you go to bed or whatever. So I would turn in my, my trip report and then go up to my room and like be coding or writing a paper or something like that. So that was, that was a nightmare. Uh, and today I, uh, I work for a company that uh, writes software that helps keep soldiers safe. So yeah. I guess that's my background with the, the YouTube stuff. I started the YouTube stuff about um, about two years ago, 18 months ago, maybe. And uh, that was because I was in a job interview. I was interviewing someone and they were just failing these questions left and right, failing these job interview questions in computer science. And I was like, man, there, if only I could have a series that taught developers like, hey, this is how you answer this question, you know, like right. answer it like this. Do it like this. This is what I want to see. And so I started this series. And I got a following. I got up to about 1,500 people. And then the, the war in Ukraine kicked off. And I did two videos. I did one video on um, uh, why uh, Ukraine hasn't suffered any cyber attacks. And mm -hmm. I did another video on how to kill a tank. Right. And my channel just exploded. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess you guys want this more than the software stuff. <laughs> so, well, I, <clears throat> so one of the things that I that I have is uh, one of the things that I, I realized is I built this entire cryptocurrency system, this, this massive you know project. Where it's up on GitHub. You can download it. You can build your own cryptocurrency from it. I spent weeks developing this cryptocurrency software that I give away for free. That video got 5,000 views. I do a video on why Russian soldiers wear butt pillows. That gets 2.2 million views. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Have you, have you seen where, um, so I've seen your videos blow up, and I know I've seen them places. Like I've seen them on Twitter, and I've seen them on TikTok, and I've seen them shared all over the place, Reddit. Um, where Have you seen where, as, I know you do a lot of short videos that kind of blow up. Yeah. Um, have you seen where they're sharing them at? Are they finding them on YouTube? Or are they sharing them like in, in Reddit threads or, or Twitter? Or, so, uh, I've seen you all over Twitter. So I I, I know they're sharing me on, on Twitter, Discord, Reddit, TikTok. So I'm not on TikTok. Mm -hmm. uh, I, in fact, if you're on TikTok, I strongly suggest you don't make any videos yeah. on TikTok because it's, it's essentially a, a Chinese data grab. And that's not a conspiracy theory. That's what they're doing. <laughs> you right, know, yeah. like that's... It's, it's literally what they're doing. <clears throat> um, they're essentially doing OSINT from TikTok, taking videos, facial recognition, uh, geolocation, and sucking that into a big database. So, um, yeah, I'm not on So if you see a video of mine on TikTok, they stole it. And yeah. unless some of the videos I make, I actually make Creative Commons because I want people to translate it into Russian or uh, sure. Ukrainian. Uh, but if they're not Creative Commons and they're on TikTok, it's probably because they stole it. So, I mean, right. that happens. I, I get that. I get that. Yeah. Well, uh, some happens. of the ones, I'm sorry. Some of the ones I saw that were actually better than just stealing it were like, uh, this guy knows what he's talking about and the, the links in the, you know, in the comments or whatever. Um, 
a lot of people are kind of hungry for information on Ukraine and Russia. Um, where do where do you see it at? Right? Is it is is has Russia lost? Are they going to? Is is this just the ultimate end? We're just waiting on it, or what do you think? Just in your opinion, I know you probably you're not uh, omnipotent, but in your opinion, what do you think is going on right now? Um. So there is no win. Right. So the second Russia invaded Ukraine, everybody lost. Right. Russia lost. Ukraine lost. Europe lost. The world lost. Africa and the Middle East starved to death. Right. That's, right. that's that. There is no win. When people say Russia will win, will win what? What? What are you winning? Sure. What are you winning? Are you winning? The entire world hates you, and can't trust you anymore. Is that what you won? You know, Russia is essentially a, a mafia-run gas station, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. what, well, that's what Russia is. Now, can anybody trust Russia again? Right. Could you before? You know, so so they lost the world, right? <clears throat> um, Ukraine lost land and soldiers. Oh, another thing Russia lost is equipment in the sense of who's going to buy uh, a Russian tank again? Yeah, they used to be a major arms exporter. Right now, if I were uh, an Ethiopian uh, general or uh, an Ethiopian politician, or you know, I was I was in um, if I if I was in a Central American country or I was in a uh, a uh, uh, Middle Eastern country, I kind of be looking at my Russian weapons, going, maybe I backed the wrong horse here. Right? Yeah, they they haven't been put on a good show. (laughs) I mean. Russian weapons, they're not bad. Mm-hmm. One of the things you got to understand is they, they served a purpose. They were good for what they were made for. I know one of the major videos, and I think one of the reasons people like my stuff is that the news, when you watch the news, they have two minutes to cover a story. They don't have time to explain why the turrets pop off and fly up in the sure. air. It's because the autoloader is in a carousel. Mm-hmm. Well, that... You might say that's a bad design, but to the Russians, when they were going to fight the next war, a nuclear war between Russia and and NATO, when they were going to fight that war, it was going to be a nuclear war. It was going to be a chemical war. So when you are in a tank, you're relatively protected against radiation. Who isn't? The loader. Because the loader is opening that breach and they're shoving around in there and the loader is getting hit with what's called shine which is essentially mm-hmm. any radiation that is coming in, it's going in through the going in through the, uh, the tank room. So in the Russian mindset, well, let's just get rid of the loader, put a mechanical loader in there. So when you think about it, like Russia's idea of having an auto loader was genius. It also made the tank smaller. Right. If it's smaller, it's harder to hit. Well, let me ask this that real quick. Sense. Are we finding out that tanks aren't the way to war anymore like i've talked about this a couple times regards the wars changed now it's hybrid now it's you know it's 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 unrestricted warfare by the you know like the colonels uh the two colonels that wrote that from china and it just seems like you know like even you say i mean these are in the they're stuck in the mud (laughs) they're being pulled out by farmers Um, running their fuel (laughs) they're out running their fuel yeah how efficient did i mean did he go in not realizing that that's you know what I mean? You almost have to think about it. You think it's, like, what are we doing here? So you asked, you asked a couple of questions. I think the first question is, are tanks, are tanks obsolete? Right. And right. I have a video about that. 
Um, and I don't think, I think tanks are on their way out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, that APS or, or um, active defense systems, you know, things yeah. that can shoot down incoming missiles, those are going to extend the life of the tank another 20 years, 30 years. Sure. I think that in order to to accurate to adequately protect yourself against uh, threats these days, you're, you're going to have to increase the armor of the tank so much that it's not going to be able to go anywhere. So right. tanks are always any kind of armored vehicle is always a trade off. Weight, protection, armament, and fuel. Right. Oh, yeah. Like all right, I could give it a lot of armor, but it can't go very far. I can give it a lot of weapons, but it makes it heavier. It can't go very far. I can make it lighter, but then it can be destroyed easier. But it's more right. transportable. So I think that the future of tanks is going to be armored personnel carriers with very fast firing cannons, mm-hmm. um, like 30 millimeter, 40 millimeter, 50 millimeter cannons. Um, yeah. I think that that's going to eclipse the tank. And I also Sound think like that they might still have tanks but maybe they're robotic tanks because what's one of the, if you take out all the life support inside that tank, then you can make it a lot smaller, a lot harder to hit. And then it's just a gun on tracks that's controlled from inside the armored personnel carrier. So that could be a cheaper solution and it's lighter too, because you're not putting all that armor on it to protect the crew. So I think that's, that's, that's kind of the way of the future. And there was another question in there. And I can't remember that was. <laughs> the the news was, is do you feel Putin, I mean, he had to know oh. he was going in <laughs> with that system. And and do you think that that was a, even a thought that crossed his mind? I don't think he did. I think that, um, I think that what, what Russia thought was that they were going to invade, they were going to capture Kiev, and the war would be over in three to five days. They would take out, President Zelensky, they would make gains in the East, war would be over, and NATO wouldn't do anything because it would happen so fast. If right. Russia had taken over Ukraine in five days, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Sure. Right. Unfortunately, Russia ran straight into the javelin and the end law. <laughs> and, I, you know, everyone in this war has talked about the game-changing weapons, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Javelin's a game changer. The M Triple Seven's a game changer. The the High Mars is a game changer. Brockar's a game changer. Right, He's losing a heck of a lot of ground for for a country with all these game changing weapons. But I don't think Russia really understood what was going to happen when they came face to face with a threat that they 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 knew existed. You, know, you watch videos. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, the javelin. But until your entire column gets wiped out by missiles, you you have no idea. You don't like right. Mike Tyson right. said. Everybody has a plan until someone punches them in the face. Right, <laughs> right. And, and, and they can be implemented quickly too. Punched them in the face, like they had no clue what this weapon was capable of doing. And northern Ukraine is there's all these woods and buildings and urban areas. And what's great about the javelin is you fire that thing and that missile takes off and goes and you can be out of there. Yeah. When I first joined in 1994, we had the Dragon, which is a miss. It's a wire guy missile. You had to guide it and you're waiting. It takes 11 seconds to get out to 1100 meters. And, and you know, all, all the tank had to do was swivel its turret, 
and go, all right, I don't have to kill that guy. I just have to make him blink and just shoot yeah. machine guns until I blink. The javelin, you're already gone. And right. I think the Russians, they knew about the javelin, but they didn't know what it was like to get punched in the face. And the Ukrainians punched them in the face. <laughs> so I don't think Vladimir Putin thought this was going to happen. I thought, he, yeah, I'll go in. We'll go in three days, five days. We'll take over, install a new government. NATO's not going to do anything because they didn't do anything with Crimea. Sure. You know, easy as pie. And I don't think he had any clue this was going to happen. Um, so when you're talking about uh, tanks being phased out or possibly yeah. being phased out, stuff like uh, like like a Bradley or something, but mm-hmm. do you think do you think the same thing about um, so helicopters have had a reduced role, uh, like? Yeah. It seemed like a lot of helicopters came in like in the first few days. Yeah. Uh, and then there was a lot of pulling back and they've been in like the rear doing like support stuff, uh, yeah. transporting people and, and materials. But like um, like in Iraq, they were some of our like they were they were ahead. You know, they were scouting ahead. They were they were uh, destroying the enemy for us so we could just walk through um, yeah. like it was it was uh, it's a whole different place um, for helicopters. It seems like at least over there. And, and that might be due to the the same weapon systems but well i think that i don't think helicopters are on their way out mainly because their elevation uh and their sensors just give them a wider picture you know when when you're in a tank you might your optics might allow you to see 400 400 or 4,000 meters but you're really restricted to the closest tree right you don't know if there's some guy behind that tree now, man pads or man portable air defense systems are a risk for helicopters. But as soon as you fire that thing, there's indicators and warning systems inside that helicopter that are kicking out countermeasures. And plus, you have sensors that can see over a very wide area. Sure. So I, I don't think it's an equivalence. I, I think that helicopters are still going to be around the battlefield. Um, I think the issue with Russian and Ukrainian helicopters is that they don't really have the sensor systems the modern Western sensor systems that would allow them to go to the forward edge of the battle area. Right. So I, can, I can see why they might be pulling them back. And also, you know, I, I spoke with someone from Kiev the other day, and this guy said that he sees Ukrainian wow. jets in the sky all the time. And uh, lost cameras here. Oh, all right. Oh, did you lose your camera? Um, yeah, that, that, that stuff's super interesting to me. Um, I, I think they may have underestimated how easy it was to, uh, to like implement, <laughs> to, yeah. to implement some of these weapons too. Like they thought maybe they'd be undertrained or wouldn't, wouldn't know how to use them even if they had them or, or something, but man, they, they made a difference quickly on the battlefield, didn't they? Oh yeah. Uh, do you need me to restart a camera or anything or is it on your end? Uh, I, am I, are you not seeing it on your end? Cause I'm, I'm back now. Oh, okay. I'm not seeing it yet, but I'll just keep talking. All right, there you go. Okay, just we just back. we just refreshed here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, go ahead. <clears throat> hmm. I don't. I uh. So, back up again. Helicopters are extremely maintenance intensive, like more than air, yeah. airplanes. Yeah. Um. Everything's shaking, and there's stuff falling out, and there's fluid spraying all over the place, <laughs> and you know, so. They're fairly delicate machines. Even Russian helicopters are delicate machines. And so I could easily see them not flying as many sorties as they want just because they just can't, you know, they, they can't get it done. You know, they, they just can't keep these things in the air. 
Now, this one guy from Kiev said there's always aircraft above his head at Kiev, and he thinks they're doing 200 sorties a day. I doubt that. I don't think I don't think there's 200 sorties going up between Russia and between Ukraine. It's just they just can't match. They, they just can't have that high of an op tempo. They can't. I think it's probably more like 20 or 40, but I'm not in an AWACS plane. If, if someone's in an AWACS plane looking at that, they can tell me right now. But I don't have that level of intelligence and nor is someone going to tell me that, you know. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah, I, I I don't know. I guess I guess most of us thought so. Um, uh, I I handle like when I do my YouTube show. The reason that I use your show a lot, or something you said, or something you've talked about, is I handle like people um like spreading just crazy false misinformation and, and try to clarify it. And I guess we all kind of thought maybe that Russia would just kind of what did you did you think Russia was going to get in there quick and and handle it before before anything no. else could happen, or did you think it would be long and drawn out? No, I thought it would be. Uh, I thought it would be a drawn out affair, um, and I, I even made a video about it like two days after the attack, where I said, "Why Russia can't take over Ukraine?" Yeah. Um, and actually, someone on Twitter said like nobody called that Ukraine was going to last this long, and I threw up that video and said, "I'm nobody." <laughs> you know, like <laughs> right. Um, you know, it it um, it's when when you look at. So one of the issues with the Russian army, it's actually an issue with the Chinese army too. <coughs> they have sh <clears throat> the Chinese army has short legs and the Russian army has short legs. Actually, the Chinese army has short arms and short legs. The Russian army has short legs, pretty long arms. Though. So when Russia just doesn't have the logistical capability to support the kind of war that they want to support, they probably did 20 years ago. Um, they don't have the logistical capability. They don't have the trucks. That's for darn sure. That, that's a huge thing. I think I, I did a video with their tooth to tail. I estimated their tooth to tail was one one point one to one. That means for every combat soldier, you have one point one soldier supporting them. The American yeah. army, it's about one to four. During Iraq, it was one to five. So yeah. you know, America needs this big, long logistical tail to take care of everything. You know, uh, when, when I was in Iraq, uh, one of the, actually, not you know, not Iraq, Egypt. I'm going to tell you a story about Egypt. Do you, do you want me to tell a story about Egypt? Fire away. Absolutely, right. yeah. So I, I was in Egypt, and this was on MFO rotation. MFO stands for Multinational Force Observer. It's basically this peacekeeping group that's on the border between Egypt and Israel. And, um, you know, there's like 17 countries, I think, at the time that, that were part of this mission. Norwegians were there. Japanese were there. Hungar Hungarians were there. That was interesting. Talking to a Hungarian military policeman who had once been a hind pilot. We're like, oh, wow, we once tried to kill each other, you know? Right. <laughs> um, the Fijians are there. The Colombians, some of the best light infantry in the world is in Colombia. Colombians were there. And uh, so we stood on the border between Egypt and Israel. And the, uh, the New, New Zealanders were kind of like inspectors. So the New Zealanders would go from site to site. We would stay out of these remote sites, these cops almost, combat outposts. We'd stay at right. these remote combat outposts uh, for 21 days. We'd go back to our main base for 21 days. And the New Zealanders would periodically do these snap inspections where they would just show up at the combat outpost and inspect to make sure you have all your weapons, all your ammo, and all your food. Now, right. if... You had a problem, you would get like a demerit. If you got too many demerits, they'd fire you from being site commander. So 
one day we rolled in and we relieved the unit that was at the site. And I, you know, I did my little site inspection. I'm walking around making sure everything's there, or, you know, signing off on the hand receipt. I look in the freezer and the, the previous team, the previous unit that was there, had ordered all these chicken sandwiches that were in bags. I looked at the bags and they were about to expire. And I'm like, I do not want to be in a situation where the New Zealanders gig us for being, you know, for having expired food. So I told my cook, we had a site cook. I said, why don't we just cook it all? So hmm. the site cook made chicken sandwiches, these little breaded chicken patties for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for two freaking days straight. After two days, I was sick of eating chicken. <laughs> now, right across the street from us was an Egyptian border guard station. And every morning, you'd see the Egyptian first sergeant come along in a truck or in a, you know, like a vehicle. And he would drop off a bag of rice and vegetables. And that was the Egyptians. Um, that was what the, that was their breakfast, lunch, and dinner, this bag of rice and vegetables. Yeah. They had a 55-gallon drum that they would drink out of, bathe out of, and you know, cook out of. A 55-gallon mm. drum. And they had like a little crappy black and white TV. Meanwhile, back in our coal, we had some of our rooms had air conditioning, you know, <laughs> like these shipping uh -huh. containers that had air conditioning. You know, we had satellite TV, we had a DVD player. It was nice. So <clears throat> I remember, you know, on the Kalamatabik Shwai I could speak in a fair bit to get along. And mm -hmm. so, like, I, I knew that I talked to the Egyptians and they told me that they only got meat when they rotated back into their main base. Right. And even then, it was what they called army meat. At least that's what I could kind of make out from my Arabic and their English. They called it army meat, which I guess was meat that had been rejected by their equivalent of the USDA. Right. So you can imagine what that meat was like. So mm -hmm. I was like, well, I'll give you some chicken sandwiches. And I brought over this bag of chicken, you know. And these guys were so happy I gave them this meat. Now, that's when it struck me that America wasn't, America's not powerful because of our Tomahawk missiles or, you know, Patriots or M1 tanks. Our military is powerful because we can get more chicken patties halfway across the world than you can possibly eat. And the Egyptians can't feed their people in their own country. Right. Right. Logistics. Logistics win wars. Logistics win wars. And I don't think the Russians really had any comprehension of what it was going to be like fighting a modern mobile war. I think they used to, but you know, they rely on rail a lot. They don't have enough trucks, you know, and it's, it's now with the HIMARS system, I'm reluctant to call HIMARS a game changer. I think it's, you know, they're not going to take any territory with the HIMARS. Right. But they've certainly forced the Russians to move their ammo dumps out of range which makes right. it even less efficient to distribute ammo, food, fuel, all that stuff. And, you know, an army needs that stuff to move. Yeah. And somebody just said today, uh, they're talking about uh, Taiwan and China. Yeah. Oh, China invading Taiwan. Are we riled up China? Let's take Afghanistan mm -hmm. and give it leaves. Okay. Like that's, that's Taiwan, right? Yeah. It's Afghanistan with leaves. Take a piece of paper and crumple it up. And that's Taiwan, at least two-thirds of the country on the right. west side. So you're China. <laughs> let's let's invade, let's go across a hundred miles of ocean. Right. Right. 
and let's invade a country where every male knows how to use a rifle. Correct. And they can hide up in the hills. Correct. With leaf cover. Right. Yeah. And if you, uh, Taiwan has three refineries. There's there's three oil refineries. There's one in the south. There's one in the east. And there's one like the north northwest north north northeast. And um, if China doesn't take those refineries, that means they're going to have to ship fuel across a hundred miles. Now, maybe they can oh, lay yeah. a pipeline, something like that. No, maybe, but they're going to have to do that. We'll be shot at by Americans. Australians and uh, probably Japanese. Uh, I think even the Filipinos will want to get it on the fun with this one. Yeah, and that's <laughs> the stuff I talk about. You're you're not going to hit them with a front or assault. It's not going to be. You're going to have to basically cut them off either financially, but even that is in the treaty. If you start to cut them off um, and you know circle them and not let them get stuff, that's part of the treaty where we can come in. So it's a very touchy thing it's not like you can just you know uh kinetic with them good luck yeah, i i don't see like to me the the so you know when america thinks of history we think of 300 years we go back 300 years you go to europe you you can find the cathedral that joan of arc went to and then europe goes back 1400 years 5,000 years china goes back like 6,000 years 4,000 years like they're they're the Chinese idea of time is just on a different scale. Right. So I don't see, like, I don't see why China doesn't pull a Crimea and just try to, like, get people in office in Taiwan who are pro-China. And then one day they have a vote and 82% are in favor of rejoining China. And then what, what can you do? What can you say? You yeah. know? Go ahead. But, you know, oh, considering every dude in China or every dude in Taiwan knows how to use a rifle because they have conscription, mm-hmm. you know, like, eh, this isn't the greatest plan. Maybe you <laughs> might want to hold off on this one, you know, especially since war is hard. Like, China's looking at Russia going, oh, man, war is hard. These guys, China hasn't fought a war since 1979. Vietnam. Correct. Vietnam invaded Cambodia. And China said, oh, Vietnam needs to learn a lesson. China learned a lesson. They didn't know what the heck they were doing when they got into Vietnam. You know, so I think that, uh, yeah, logistics wins wars. I think China is definitely taking a look at Taiwan and going, man, maybe we ought to rethink this, you know. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I have a question. You you talked earlier about um, about how, like, uh, Russia was kind of, um, they were kind of ready for the wrong war, right? They were ready for a something that might involve nuclear or chemical or blah, blah, blah. Do you think that other countries, like let's say the U S like we've spent all this time fighting in like Iraq and Afghanistan and, yeah. and that had IDs and people yeah. popping up with RPGs and we kind of got used to that and we got, we got good at, we got better at it. Yeah. Um, do you think that that kind of hurts us if we face like a more traditional rule war, um, like with air support and uh, battle tanks and, and <laughs> the things that come in a traditional war? If you had asked me this in 2014, I would have said yes. I like in, in 2014, I was talking to basic training, you know, guys who had just, you know, I was getting ready to leave. I saw these guys who were coming in. They didn't even, they didn't even teach you how to make a, a, a fight, a two man fighting position in basic anymore. Oh, well, yeah. but they were doing convoy live fires. Sure. Like convoy live, are you crazy? 
I couldn't even imagine doing a convoy live fire when I was in basic. We're we're painting rocks. We're you know, like yeah. back in back when I went to basic training in the nineties, like they used you as post support. You're mowing lawns, you know, like right. convoy live fire, you know. I ain't doing no convoy live fire. So <laughs> um the so these guys, you know, it's body armor, and I believe they got the rifles day one. And, you know, then after a couple of weeks, they get two plates, you know, once they get used to the body armor and they got them used to convoy life fires, body armor. So, yeah. But now I think that we've we've gotten to the point where we've realized where the next war is going to be fought. And I think that's why the Marine Corps got rid of all their tanks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're starting to take that seriously and we're looking at how we're going to fight a modern war. I think that all the people who. At the t- well, all the people who are in at the beginning are retired, but all right. the people who were there during the surge, you know, as lieutenants, they're now majors, maybe colonels, you know. Mm-hmm. All the privates are now E6s, E7s. That, that's for your guests, that's you know, starting first class, they're, they're all like middle manager sergeants now. So, <clears throat> I think that, um I think that we're probably ready for that. We've probably gotten back to the whole, you know, fighting uh, fighting a modern threat. Uh, the big thing right now is what they call hybrid war. Right. Which is you're fighting traditional armies, you're fighting militia, you're fighting mm-hmm. uh, paramilitary, and you're fighting gangsters. Like That, that was kind of mm-hmm. like a big thing. The, uh, the army l- eliminated the Krosnovians, and now they're fighting the... Um, like the former states of Krosnovia, you know, like it's the, the, oh my God, I can't remember the darn names of the, 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 the good guys, Atropia. Now it's America always goes to NDC to defend Atropia. Yeah. Denovians, the Novians are the bad guys. Now Denovians have a mafia and they have hybrid threat and they have cyber attacks. And so, yeah, we're, we're, I think we're definitely figuring it out. And uh, so you kind of have a uh, you have a background in uh, your coding videos and stuff you talked about earlier. What do you think? Um, uh, do, do you think that um, cyber is like the next? I mean, I guess do you think that cyber may be used in place of like traditional war um, rather than decline of war. Is it going to be used in conjunction with um, traditional war or do you think it's kind of taking its place? What do, what do you think? Uh, like 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 taking down a whole country's infrastructure or something like that is is that what it's going to look like or what what do you think, think about? So. I think we thought that. I think that. Um, so I, I had said this in one of my videos that essentially cyber defenses are too good to really expose a lot of countries to a, a genuine, honest to God cyber attack. Now, if you have an insider threat, all bets are off. I've done videos on insider threat, how to spot an insider threat. Um, but the whole, like the, I think that we put a lot of faith into cyber weapons and it didn't really pan out because if Russia had, it's not that Russia doesn't have good cyber weapons. It's that Ukraine has really good cybersecurity. They're in a bad neighborhood. They have mm-hmm. to have good cybersecurity. It's kind of like the kid that gets beat up the most is now the best runner because he got a lot of practice running away from the bullies. Right. Um, you know, that doesn't mean that, uh, American infrastructure isn't vulnerable i mean just a couple of uh it was two years ago prince george's not prince george's county baltimore county in in, in maryland that's where mm-hmm. i live baltimore county they had their schools hacked 
and they had to, you know, they had to pay a ransom. Or actually, I think they didn't pay the ransom. I only had the money to pay the ransom. They just reloaded from backup. So there's always going to be outliers. But as for like hacking into a nuclear power plant, like it's not a separate network. You're not doing that. No one's logging into a nuclear power plant from their home. You know, and if something is separated from the network, it makes it very difficult to attack, almost impossible. I know there's people who say, well, you can do the frequency to get the RAM. And all right, so I'm moving, I'm moving 100 bits a minute with this, you know, electronic RAM. It's okay. Well, you know, good luck with that. Right. right. It's a lot easier to find a disgruntled employee, pay him a couple thousand dollars. I will tell you, it's actually here. It was a couple of weeks. Uh, this was a couple months ago. There was a guy who thought he was selling secrets to China. He put like uh, secret information on an SD card about American submarines, put it in a sandwich. You know, real, real brainiac there. Great trade craft, right? <laughs> and a sandwich drops it into a into a, a garbage bin, thinking the Chinese are going to pick it up. I think he did that for sixty thousand mm. dollars. I can make sixty thousand dollars. Right. You know, like hey, not money, sixty thousand dollars. Like you're gonna have to pay me a hell of a lot more than that to sell out America. This is not an advertisement for him. Uh, this is just allegedly speaking. I'm just, just you know. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Thank so you, like, that's I I I don't really see. I mean, I, I don't see cyber attacks gaining prominence unless unless people start taking cybersecurity less seriously. And, right. you know, right now, America, I want to say that I think this number is a little high. I've heard that we have I've, I've either heard 40,000 or 200,000 cybersecurity jobs are open right now and we can't fill them. Like we just don't yeah. have people with the right skills. Um, so if, if you want to make some money, like if you're a young person, you want to make a little bit of money. Cybersecurity is where it at. It's, it's where it's at. Um, sure. Because you got it, yeah. I mean, it, it, as long as you have good cyber defense, then I don't, you don't really have to worry about cyber attacks. Uh, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Uh, where Where do you think? Um, what do you, I, I'm assuming, as well as they do, you're going to keep making videos on Russia and Ukraine for your YouTube channel. Uh, where do, Where do you see it going in the future? Do you uh, Do you uh, stay on the military kind of thing? Are you just going to test it out? Or um, I saw you did some stuff about like. Um, just like clearing your passwords and stuff and, and resetting yeah. your Wi-Fi and uh, getting a new router or whatever. I saw that, but um, you're just going to put fillers out and see what you can see what you can do after. Uh, no, I, I think what, what I'm, I, I think the channel is going to pivot more toward military stuff mainly because, um, you know, it seems like that's what people like, like there, there's people who are, that, that, the military is such a mystique, and a lot of since so few people serve, they don't know a lot about it. Uh, when I did my video on how the Patriot missile system works, no, I had yeah. I had people from Saudi Arabia and Poland write me and say thank you. I didn't even know what protects us. I didn't even know how uh -huh. the system worked. That that was a neat feeling. And uh, just recently, uh, it was I guess about a week ago, uh, the 18th Airborne Corps called me. And said, "Hey, um, how'd you like to come down to uh, Fort Bragg and do a story about parachute rivers?" Oh, that'd be awesome! And I took a week off from work, and I leave Sunday. I'm going to drive down to Fort. I'm taking the white pony down to Fort Bragg. I'm uh, going to 
not work with the riggers, but I'm going to connect up with the 18th Airborne Corps and I'm going to interview riggers and we're going to do a, well, I'm not going to do it, but I'm going to record a, uh, an airborne operation. And I think like that, that's the kind of route that I think the channel is going to go. Uh, I would love to do a, a story on how MUSE work, how Marine Expeditionary Units work. Mm -hmm. uh, I would love to do one on how, um, if I can do it, if the Air Force lets me, I'd love to do one on how missile ears work. How do you actually fire a missile, like an ICBM? What's the process of firing a missile? Sure, a lot's yeah. changed since war games, right? Right. So I'd love to do a video on that. I'd love to do a video on CBs. You know, like kind of show the sides of the military that people aren't really familiar with. Uh, at the yeah. same time, I think cybersecurity is an inherent part of you know the people who watch my channel. I think they tend to be more technically oriented. Mm -hmm. I'm still going to do videos on programming and cybersecurity. Uh, I'm working on a video right now about something called cross-domain solutions, <clears throat> which sounds really boring, but all right. Let me let me throw let me throw this one out. Okay. Ryan McBeth's exclusive right here, baby. All right. So let's say you're a scientist, right? You're a scientist during a zombie outbreak. And the zombies are, you know, out there. And you decide you need to leave the lab and you're going to go get samples of the zombies to cure the zombie virus, right? Yeah. And you go out and you find the cure for the zombie virus. You got it. You got the cure. Score. And you got the cure. And you get bit. You get bit. And you, you don't know when you're going to turn. So you mm -hmm. go back to the lab and you take a piece of, you, you write down the cure on a piece of paper. And you need, you need to get this cure into the lab. But they're not letting you into the lab, right? Right. Uh -huh. So you, you take the paper and you put it up against the glass. And a scientist takes a picture of that cure. Mm -hmm. And now what have you just done? You've crossed domains from a domain of low trust to a domain of high trust. You've passed information mm -hmm. from a low domain that's dangerous Mm -hmm. sanitize that information into a high domain, into a high level. Right. So uh, it's called a cross-domain solution. And uh, the military uses this uh, to filter out things like uh, sensor information. Like if you have some kind of sensor out there and the sensor grabs up information, you want to filter it through a CDS or a cross-domain solution. That way, no bad stuff, malicious stuff gets sent into your secure network mm. you know, through that CDS. And that's actually... Believe it or not, it was CDSs, which <laughs> you want to tell me, do you want me to tell you how I got into cybersecurity? Hammer away, buddy. Yes. All right. So <clears throat> I used to write cross-domain solutions. I used to only have two degrees. And one day I was in a meeting and uh, I was in this meeting and this guy, he was the, the uh, head of cyber, you know, at my organization. And uh, this guy, he said, um, he was in a meeting. He, he said something about cyber. He said something about uh, uh, cross-domain solutions where he said, well, you can't go from the high side to the low side. And I thought, I was in the meeting. And I'm like, yeah, you can. We do that all the time. That's how stuff gets declassified. That's how stuff, you know, you, you pass it through a cross-domain solution. It comes out the other end sanitized. So I waited. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't call someone out in front of people unless there's like a life emergency, you know, someone's right, going right. to die, right? So I waited. And after the meeting... You know, I went up to the guy. I was like, hey, um, you know, I used to write cross-domain solutions. You know, uh, 
we pass stuff from the high side to the low side all the time. We just sanitize it through CDS. Mm -hmm. And he goes, well, I'm the guy with the CISSP, <laughs> which is like the cybersecurity certification. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Has somebody ever pissed you off so much that you went back to college? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm to the University of Maryland to get my master's in cybersecurity. Because the guy who said this, he had been a Marine. He didn't even have a degree. He he was now the people that have a degree are, are bad, but you know, I think I think his deal was that he uh managed a lot of contractors, you know, a lot of civilian contractors, so he knew the right words to say, but I don't think he knew a lot about the actual underlying technology. Right. right. Sure. So I went back to school, it took me six months, six months of hell. I was training for an Iron Man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was getting my master's in cybersecurity accelerated program. I was doing my YouTube channel. And uh, there must be a third thing in there somewhere. I was going to work as well. So like four freaking major things, right? And people, people wonder why, I, you know, uh, people wonder why I don't always get back to them via email. I'm a busy guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, I went, I got my master's in cybersecurity and darn it. The guy who said that to me got fired about two weeks before I got my degree. <laughs> oh, God. And I even, you know, I, I tried to do, I actually reached out to him on LinkedIn because I was going to see if I could get him a job at another company <laughs> just, just so I could let him know. <laughs> so I got my, just so I could work it into the conversation. Mm, Darn yeah. it. He never returned my freaking LinkedIn. You're like, hold my beer. I'll be right back. And you come back and you're like, where'd the guy go? Well, he left. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. like, so that's. And I, you know, now that I'm in it, I, I don't, I write software for a living. Uh, sure. I don't really do a lot of the cyber stuff, but two things about cybersecurity really helped me out. First is that it, it allows me to write hardened software. Like I can look at a piece of software now and go, oh, I know where all the holes are going to be. So I can harden my software to prevent right. it from being attacked. The other thing is anyone can be cybersecurity when you think about it, because a lot of people think that all you have to do is say no. Like, hey, can we? No. Can you open the port up? No. So that, a lot of people think that's what cybersecurity is. You ask for stuff from cybersecurity and cybersecurity guys say, no, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> so part of my you know, thing now is that like now I know what they're looking for. So now I got a checklist. I go, all right, you know what? I check this. I check this. I check this. Here's your list. Here's everything I did. Here's everything you need to do to say yes. So <laughs> that has helped me out immensely because now I know how the cybersecurity guys think. They just want all of their they just want all of their red cells green. That's it. All right. they, they have an Excel spreadsheet. They want all their red cells green. You know, as long as the red cell, as long as there's green cells, they're happy. So sure. Um, I have an, another question about one of your videos. So you did an you did a video on an air air, air defense system, and you mm -hmm. literally like you've done this before with like the Russian mm -hmm. uh, and the HIMARS video or whatever, uh, where you build out those. I don't know if it's just an animation or whatever, but you build out those control systems. How much yeah. how much time? Well, first of all, I, I'm sure you put a lot of research into it, but how much time do you put into the one you built blind? Right, you couldn't even like you you didn't even know what it looked like, and you had some help or something. But so, um, those so are pretty cool. I, I had help on the S300 and on the Patriot. The so the the S300 I built blind, but it, well, I had the manual. 
Right. Uh, and so I'm like using Google Lens, <laughs> you know, like translating this manual as I'm, all right, this is how this works. Uh, I'm sure I made mistakes, but like very few people are in air defense and very few people are in Russian air defense. But, you know, right. like, it, so they're not, you know, is there anyone really going to know, right? right? The Patriot system, I couldn't actually see a Patriot system. Like they don't, they don't, the ECS is not a SCIF. Uh, SCIF means a secure, see, secure container information. Basically, it's a secure area. The, the ECS, engagement control station on Patriot, is not a SCIF, but they frown on taking pictures, right? Right. So I've only, I only had three pictures of the inside of the ECS, like the inside of the control system. But I also had the manual for from 1982 for the Patriot. And here's what I, and the manual is declassified. So here's what I noticed. I noticed that all of the buttons that were on the old, like 1970s looking radar system mm -hmm. were just moved, totally moved over to the new system. And now they're just touchscreen buttons. Oh, now, wow. They just took the old thing and they put the, so the, the Patriot system that you're seeing there is highly accurate. That's, that's what you look at when you're actually doing the work. There's two things that I, I did intentionally uh, that aren't accurate. One is when you choose weapons free, it lights up red. In reality, it lights up yellow, but I wanted that just to heighten the drama. Right. And uh, I didn't put any, um, I didn't put any range markers. So if you watch the video again, you'll notice I don't have any ranges in the actual radar display. Oh, I, got I did that for a very specific reason. Uh, that is, you know, the ranges for engaging a TBM, it's public knowledge, but I'm not, it's not going to be me that disseminates it to thousands of people. And I, I had people who said like, well, get ready for 17 people to lose their security clearances. Like, no, dude, there's nothing I did that, you know. <laughs> I, I interviewed 17 people in the United States and in Israel to get an idea of, of how the Patriot works, you know, from setting it up to what you do when you raise the launcher, you got to raise the launcher and then you turn it left and then you turn it right to make sure it's free. The launcher doesn't actually uh, track targets. The missile comes out and then moves. You sure. know? Mm. So <clears throat> that's uh there's a lot of stuff that didn't make it into it. Like I, I, I wanted to work this in, but I didn't want to, so if you notice, I don't swear in any of my videos. Yeah, I don't right. swear. I don't talk about like adult topics. I do smoke, but you're gonna have a hard time stopping me from doing that. And I do drink, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not talking about anything. And my, the whole idea is that a, a parent. I want a parent to be able to watch one of my videos with their kid and say, "That's what I used to do," or yeah. I want a, a kid to send this video to his mom and say, mom, this is what I do, you know? Right. Um, so I, I'm very, uh, I don't know, I'm very cognizant. I'm very cognizant about getting it right. And I also want like other people to understand it. And, but yeah, I, I guess hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. I, yeah, for sure. I did a lot of freaking research into that video. A lot of, that was the most, it took about 80 hours to do. You asked me how, how long it took. It took me about 80 hours to all the research the 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 actual graphics for the Patriot system and doing the animation for that I do all that in PowerPoint, believe it or not. Okay, <laughs> this I never yeah. learned. 
I never learned any of the blender or whatever that stuff is. It, it feels like, I guess I could, but 99% of the time I can do it in PowerPoint. It works just as well. I know PowerPoint right. from the military. That's easy, right? Sure. I just did it in PowerPoint. People seem to like that, but it's right. The, the Patriot, the engagement that took five minutes, that probably took me about 16 hours of work total. But that was just yeah. the graphics. And then I had to coordinate with the voice actors and, uh, you know, the, the, the coordinate with the voice actors. And some of the voice actors were kind of, cause it actually started out with a conversation about the Simpsons. I was having the TCO, <laughs> the TCA, like, cause they're bored. They're in the ECS. Right. And talking about the Simpsons, But it just wasn't working, you know? And so mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, great. Pay $125 for something I'm not going to use. Cut, move that out. You, you lose a lot. Oh, Alcoholics Defending America. So ADA, calls themselves you know i say oh you know yeah. you would call them the a different army they call themselves alcoholics defending america and that's one of those things i wanted to put that in the video so badly alcoholics defending america <laughs> ada and uh darn it like i was like yeah what i can't do I, I i want some dad to show this to his daughter so right <laughs> and I think people don't realize how much work actually goes into to videos like, you know, how much research goes in, how much, you know, sometimes editing goes in. Like I do a lot of research, but I don't do a ton of editing. I just fire away and start, you know, going over the research I did. But yeah. Will does a lot of research and same thing. But you do a lot of stop, hang on, research section. And I don't think people realize it's a lot of work. It's a lot. So. It's it's an incredible. Did I freeze again? No, uh, you're good, man. It's yeah, you're it's good. an incredible amount of work. Um, uh, my YouTube might have froze, but go ahead. I I probably do. I mean, I, I work forty hours a week. I do the triathlon stuff, so that's at least two hours a day. And then you know the the rest of my day, I'm I'm up at four in the morning every day, so I'm probably doing video stuff about six hours a day. And then on the weekends, probably about eight to 10 hours a day. Depends on whether I have someone over, you know. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, like it, it's, it, I, I, yeah, I, I, I have people write me all the time and they say, hey, can you do a video on this? And I'm like, yeah, I just, you know, like I, I'm busy. This is not my full time job, you know. Sure. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, I like. I really like where I work. I really like what I do. I don't know if this will ever be a full time job. Um, I, I, well, you know what I would like. I'm gonna pitch this idea in case anyone on your channel is works for Netflix. I would like a show where I travel the world like Anthony Bourdain, and I right. join a different army every week. You know, yeah. like I, I'll do the British army. I'll do the army in Saudi Arabia. I'll do Thailand. I'll go to, you know, New Zealand. I'll do their army for a week. You know, like I'll go through a day of basic training. I'll do a day in combat arms. I'll do a day driving and shooting their vehicles. You know, I'll do a day with the staff, you know, the officers and stuff. I think that would be freaking awesome. I would love that. And That'd I'm going to have the crap kicked out of me. <laughs> you know, I'm 47 years old. Right. You know, like... It's easy getting in. It's just, will they let you out is, is the problem. You know, the, yeah, you can join, but you're not just not leaving. Uh, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> well, there is a guy, I think his name is Mike Rowe, and he does yeah. Inside the World's Toughest Prisons. 
You know, well, he'll, it, it, he's hilarious because you, 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 this guy, he was in prison in England and now he's made a career of being a guy who goes to prisons for a week to show what it's like inside a prison. Like, I think he was in a Ukrainian prison at one point. He was going, oh my God, this food is awful. How can you eat this food? He's saying that to like the cooks, you know, <laughs> like, dude, right. I don't really want to be saying yeah. that to those guys. I would love this. I would love that. I would love to do yeah, a show I, like that. I, I, really, I think we're with with what you do in your youtube channel that uh, we talked about a little bit before is you're very good at explaining the story and breaking it down and then finding sections just before somebody says you know um because it's hard to keep people focused and watching the whole video right and and you find sections that just when somebody might want to peel off you throw something out and that, and that keeps people actively continuing to watch is that something you because I remember you, you watch one, you're like, hey, I actually had to learn how to be a journalist. And so I yeah. call a journalist. Um, but it, when it regards to making your videos, did you reach out to somebody at all? And, or was that just kind of, is this just kind of you? No, it's kind of me. I think that it took me, um, I mean, it took me 18 months to be an overnight success. So hmm. a lot of, you know, what I, so back it up a little bit. When I started my programming content, I used the Angry Joe show as a template. The Angry Joe show is a show on YouTube about video games. And so these guys, they would do these funny skits before and usually after the video and sometimes in the middle of the video to break things up. And I was like, oh, I, I actually don't play video games. I do not have the time to play video games. <laughs> usually in like around October, I'll buy NBA 2K. You right. know, I'll play that for a couple of weeks, and then I'll realize, oh, the wizards still suck, and then you know that goes in the that goes in the bin, and I try it again next year. Uh, but I love the, uh, the 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 data theory and the development of video games, and I think Angry Joe, Angry Joe show on YouTube is extremely entertaining. Even if you don't play video games, if you don't like video games, the way he reviews it, he does it really well. And I, what's crazy, I've had people say the same thing about my channel. I've had housewives in Minnesota go like, I don't care about the military, but what you do is so fascinating. <laughs> you know, like how you explain it's so interesting. Like, thank you. Absolutely. I appreciate the view. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think I took the template of the Angry Joe show. And then, like, programming can be very boring. If you, if you go on to... Um, I don't. I. I mean, I'm not calling Tim Corey out as, as a bad teacher, but Tim Corey is a C sharp teacher on YouTube, very popular, and it can be kind of dry because you have a sure. white page, you know, and mm -hmm. he's typing, and he's and then you get char, get char C semicolon. Don't forget the semicolon. And you know, I was like, man, you know, like that's great, but. I don't want to put people to sleep. So what if I put skits in here? What if I actually show myself on camera? And I right. think that translated really well uh, to what I do, you know, because before you can get bored, there's my face again. And I'm using my hands and talking with my hands like someone from New Jersey you right. know, <laughs> often does. So I think that breaks things up. I, I don't know if that was intentional. It's just kind of how I talk. You know, and how I, I carry on conversations, you know, like I'm, I'm always on camera. Even when I'm not on camera, I'm always on camera because I'm an animated guy. <laughs> I, I had uh, I had a couple questions from chat. Yeah. One of them said, um, can can you tell us anything about the Russian Kalina system uh, and what you might know about it? That's a laser, I believe. Uh, I can't really. 
I don't even know what it is. I, I don't. I would really have to do some research on that. I know it's a laser system. I believe they can cart that thing around by truck. Uh, I don't know the wattage of the laser. I don't know. I can't really get into that too much. It's, I mean, I could take a look at that for a video, but yeah, I'm sorry. Um, the, I, I can't, I can't get too much into that. The other, the other question was like, um, why do you think, so Zelensky, um, since you did the video on Patriot missiles, Zelensky actually requested Patriot missiles in Ukraine. Why do you think, uh, the U S didn't send any? I don't think. He, he can request whatever he wants, but I, I don't think he needs them, and I think he knows he doesn't need them. I think he's just kind of grabbing it, whatever. Um, yeah. So what Ukraine needs are they need 500 main battle tanks and they need 2,000 armored personnel carriers and IVFs, infantry fighting vehicles. That's what they need. That's, that's what's going to retake territory. Patriot missile isn't going to retake territory. And the S-300 is not a bad platform. It's not. It's yeah. very good for what it does. Mm -hmm. um, the weapon system we did agree to send was, uh, oh my God, the name popped out. Noams, Naya. Um, it was a Norwegian American mid range defense missile. Um, it's actually kind of neat because it can be networked and placed in multiple locations where you don't have to have the ECS trailer right next to that missile. Oh God, it's going to bother me that I can't. If you go, uh, you can nice go to the yourself. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the darn name of the missile. Naysams. Naysams, yes. So they sent, they are sending those. And I think that the difference is that those might be a little bit easier to operate than the Patriot system because the Patriot system is just, I mean, it's it's a 20-week school just to become a, a 14 Echo, which is the, right. the guy who fires the missiles. So, you know... And then, yeah, the warrant officers, they need years of experience. You know, it's it, its almost, it would be easier to give them S-300s, which they already know how to use. Right. You know, so. Sure. That's probably, that's probably why. If, um, mm -hmm. uh, so you, you were in the military, uh, did, uh, infantryman, uh, would you, if you could go back, would you change your MOS or did you, did you enjoy it? Did you like it? What you did? Oh, wow. I get asked that all the time. I was a um, 19 Delta Cap Scout. I don't know. Um, like, not like, you know, if you could get some of these nightmares out of my head, that would be nice. Um, it, you know, I, I used to, uh, we used to go down Route Irish. Um, uh -huh. I've, I've, picked up body parts. I actually put my foot through a, a human rib cage. <laughs> and it was in, in a way it was kind of funny because I'm like shaking my foot trying to get it off my foot. You know, it's not funny. Um, right. But uh, it would be nice not to have those memories. Sure. But I think that, you know, like I, I would never have had those memories if I was a, you know, a 92 Yank. Right. Um, boy, that got dark. I, I guess, um, I guess I, I think that a, a lot of it, you know, those experiences kind of made me who I am to the point where, you know, I seek out the hard thing. 
And I think I've I've had a better life because I seek out the hard thing. You know, I, I do, I do triathlon, um, because I have a really easy life. I'm not exactly svelte. I'm not, I've talked with guys who are like, you're a marathon runner. Yeah. How come you're not skinny? Well, they don't interview the guy that comes in 1700. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I do it and I, I think it's because I need the pain. You know, I like, I need that. I need that pain. I need that uh, struggle to, to fight against. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I need that next thing. What's the next thing? What's the next thing I'm going to do? Like, it's, I have a very hard time being still. You should see when I go on vacation. I I don't know how to rest for the first, you know, it's like two days right. in. It's like I need a pre-vacation to relax for my vacation because I don't know how to not be doing something. So I, I don't know. I, um, God, I wish you hadn't asked that. Uh, I, I guess, um, <laughs> No, it's it's weird because like so you spend a lot of time like not thinking about things. Sure. You know, okay. I I would and I, I'll tell you this, it's amazing what you can live with. Yeah. That's amazing yeah. what you can live with. Um and I can say, you know, I there was a video I wanted to do about uh some of the war crimes I've seen, both on the Ukrainian side. I mean, I saw a video of Ukrainians just shooting dudes in the legs. Right. right. And the Russians take a bunch of people from Azov, but they don't even care. You know, they don't even think are human and they, they light those guys on fire. Right. So maybe don't do that. Um, the, everybody in the conflict right now, both Ukrainian and Russian, mm-hmm. when they go home, they're going to have trouble maintaining a relationship. They're going to drink too much. They're going to have trouble keeping a job. That's going to last about three years. All the ones who are fighting. Gonna last about three years, five years, three, five years. The ones who commit war crimes, that's not gonna end. And if they don't get punished by law, they're gonna punish themselves until one day they're sucking on a shotgun. Right. So that they might have a little trouble living with themselves. I don't know. That's uh I guess to go back to your first question, would I do anything differently? I I I, I don't think so. Uh, I guess I, I just I needed the pain. I needed the pain to to just appreciate what I have and to to be who I am today, you know. And there's nothing wrong with being Intel or being, you know, whatever. But um, you know, I think without those memories and without those experiences, I think I'd be a different person. I kind of like who I am right now, nightmares and all, sure. which would mostly go <laughs> away. You know? No. Yeah, and, and it's a tough one to do because you don't know who you would be if you didn't do what you did, right? And so it, it's and yeah. th- that makes you know who you are. So it's it's just it, it is what it is sometimes. Like I said, again, I'm Coast Guard, so I my yeah. thing different. We went to save and, and stuff like that, but it was a choice I made, you know. That's where you're seeing dead bodies and your people are crying, you're pulling people out of the water and they're yeah, uh too- loaded and yeah, that was the word. I mean, two. I yeah. had one 15 year old boy and one 40 year old father of four screaming, yeah. kids screaming on the boat as you're pulling them out. So it, you do see that in, in that, but it's just, again, made me, it, it makes you who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my, my, my question kind of sidetracked everything. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, Will. Way to go. No, it's, it's a fair question, you know. Yeah. So people ask it to me all the time. Yeah. Do they and, and but I think what 
some of the other stuff too is where I what what made it pop for you? Like what when did you realize that what video kind of was it the first time your video went viral? Like what kind of exploded? You're like, holy crap, what did I do here? Um, I you know what? I can tell you exactly when that happened. It was with my uh how do you kill a tank video. Uh, sure. I was on the couch and then I was watching TV. And I'm like, I, I decided I would look at my YouTube analytics, you know, just to see what was going on with that. And I, I looked and it, the, I was getting 50, it was, it was 90K views per hour on that. How do you, on a video on a short video on how, how to kill a tank. And I'm looking at that going, oh my God. I had people from high school reach out to me. Like there was a girl <laughs> from middle school, like a girl like I kissed in middle school who was like, hey, how you doing? Come up to Philadelphia. I, <laughs> I actually went up to Philadelphia. I met her for drinks. <laughs> you know, like, I, well, let me see where this goes. You know, it's been 40, you know, 30 years. Let me see where this goes. Uh, that actually hasn't happened a lot. But uh, I thought that was kind of like, all right. Um yeah, I guess it was when I was sitting on the couch and I'm looking at that, it was like 97, you know, and I'm like, is that a mistake? And I'm like refreshing it. I'm like, oh my God. I had a boss that I had years ago reach out to me. I had I had a friend. You want know to talk about awkward? All right. Kind of sad because he might he might actually be watching this because he's a fan of the channel. I was friends with this guy in high school, and uh he wrote me this nice long letter about like, you know. Cause I, I was a runner in high school and my, my high school didn't have a football team. We had our, so like the track team was kind of like the football team. Yeah. And, um, I guess I was really nice to this kid in high school. I guess I was, I was a jock who was nice, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, he told me like, you know, thank you for being my friend that freshman year. You know, I, I, you're the one who allowed me to make it through high school. And I'm thinking like, Dude, I don't remember you. I have no idea. <laughs> like, I have no idea who you are. And like, apparently, I don't look all that different, you know, or, or whatever. And uh, like, I had, to, I'm like thinking, like, because he said, like, oh, you know, me, Alex, and Heather. I don't know Alex or Heather. I have no idea who you're talking about. And I, I had to be like, dude, I don't remember. I. It was kind of weird because I, 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 don't, I could probably look up the email. I think I told him like, oh, thank you very much. I'm so happy. I, I you know, made a difference for you. I don't remember Alex and Heather, but, you know, thank you for, okay. I'm glad you're doing well. And he told me he works for the Navy now and he, you know, he's been in treatment or he's been clean for five years. And I'm like, oh, that's great. That's awesome. You know, like, who are you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I guess, you know, one of the, one of the things, and I, I've actually encountered this at work. Um, and this is going to sound like really self-serving, but I'm going to say anyway, like for people like me, like I've re I realized that like as I've gone through life, for some reason people like me, you know. Yeah. And I I often feel like when I'm at work, like my job is to be the guy that everybody likes. So mm -hmm. <laughs> like, people, like I actually like in my in my cubicle at work, uh, I have like an espresso machine and I have like cookies and you know. Like, oh, you're that guy. Okay. Yeah. So, but I mean, even before then. Like people will come by and they'll talk to me for a half hour. And a lot of it, it's, it's it, like, I gain so much Intel as to what's right. going on. Like who has a problem, who can do what. 
And so I, I, I've gotten this reputation as a guy that everybody likes and a guy that like, you know, can get the job done because like, you know, I, I, I know everybody. I'm like, Oh, you know what? Jeff can help with that. I know Jeff. Let me call <laughs> Jeff right now. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? Hey, can you do me a favor? Yeah, man. Like, and, and like my life has always been that when I was in the military, I was the biggest damn thief. And I only got, I, I, I didn't. Allegedly. I, allegedly. I, no, well. <laughs> so I never stole like night vision devices or a weapon. Okay. Uh -huh. But if like my unit needed some toilet paper, I would come back with toilet paper. I actually, I built a, um, I built a, uh, uh, an, so a funny, funny army story. One day I, I'll probably tell this in a video once. But uh, one time I was, uh, I was, so we had this, um, we had a talk, a tactical operations center. Yeah. And uh, I'm a smoker. And so I, I, I would go out to this burn barrel and I would smoke, you know, at the burn barrel. Uh -huh. And so before I would go to the burn barrel, I would go and I would ask this, you know, I would go to the talk and say like, Hey, do you have any secret documents you want me to burn? Because we had to burn all of our documents. And sometimes when people got greeting cards, they would be those greeting cards that made sounds. Mm -hmm. And what I really enjoyed was throwing the greeting cards with the batteries into the fire. Because then they would explode and like it would be like mm -hmm. purple and like sparks and stuff. Right. Infantrymen yeah. are very easy to please. Yeah. So I remember like that the, they are just been a rule made on our fob that you can only smoke in a designated smoking area. Right. All right. So I went down to the talk and I said, Hey, you guys got any uh any papers to burn? I'm like, oh yeah, here's our bath. Here you go. So I went out to the burn barrel, lit up, you know, I'm smoking, I'm burning the stuff, and I'm I'm watching the greeting cards explode and these purple flames <laughs> and stuff. And my first sergeant comes out of the um, I was at, I don't know, I was in E6 or E7 that that deployment, but my first sergeant comes out and he sees me. Smoking. He goes, hey, Sergeant Buck, you need to go to a designated smoking area. Meanwhile, the burn barrel is like belching fire. I'm like, what? <laughs> what parallel universe have I you know, entered here? Like, yeah, I, I'm like Roger for starting to throw a cigarette out, you know, like and uh, so I I I talked to one of my soldiers who had been a carpenter. I'm like, what if we build a smoking gazebo mm. and we just put designated smoking area on it we just mm -hmm. put that right next to the cp yeah we could even use yeah. the roof to hang it off of and use less mm -hmm. materials she's like yeah we can make that happen so i go to kbr keller brown and root so at my uh at my base kbr keller brown and root there are these private contractors they run a lot of the base services right and uh you know they would do laundry or they would all they're also responsible for uh, uh i think it's called class eight which is like engineering materials i might have that class supply wrong but i think it's might be class eight you can look that up so i i go over to kbr yard i'm like hey guys you walk into the kbr kbr yard it's four you walk into their trailer four fat guys from arkansas sitting mm. in chairs doing this and then one local national running around doing all the work. One Iraqi doing all the work, and four guys from KBR laying in the church. I'm like, hey guys, uh, you know, I have this, uh, I got this uh, bill of materials here. 
uh, you know, I need this much lumber and this many nails and this and this. They're like, well, you got to put in a request for that. Yeah, you got to put in a request for that. Take about eight hours to get all that done. About eight weeks, and we got to get the permit for a forklift to get it. I got you. Uh, I'm going back to college. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Yeah, exactly, right? So (laughs) I waited. I I went and I bought. We had an F-150 that we used, like an F-150 truck that we used around the fob. I borrowed the keys to the F-150. Waited till nightfall. It's easy to get over barbed wire. Just throw a blanket over that thing. Allegedly. Allegedly. Go ahead. (laughs) Climb over that thing. Somehow we acquired the materials we needed. And we built the smoking area overnight. We got a stencil sprayed smoking area on that. And I would sit there smoking right next to the CP. Hey, Prasart. And like everybody (laughs) thought that someone else did it. It was amazing. Nice. It was amazing. (laughs) Like the smoking area just appeared. You know, and I was able to sit, you know, undercover, you know, under shade, have, you know, smoking under the show. This is freaking awesome. So let me understand this, right? Just so I make sure. So you're from, <laughs> you're from Jersey and you're the guy that knows a guy that can get stuff. Is, right. is, that, is that what I'm Imagine hearing? that, right? Like, it, it, it is, yeah, right? And like I said, I hate the mafia, right? We, we <laughs> talked about the mafia, you know. My dad had me riding in a car as, as a hostage. <laughs> when I was a kid, or I assume that's what happened. He'll probably deny it if I ask him today. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So you're the guy that knows a guy that knows a guy that gets stuff done, and you're out here just in the middle of the night building stuff. Uh, okay. Yeah. You know what's crazy is uh, you're absolutely right because New Jersey works like that. When I needed work right. done in my house, I didn't go. Get, I don't go to the Yellow Pages or the internet look up a plumber. I asked someone who knew someone who knew someone who knew a plumber. Exactly. And you pay them in cash. You know, like that's that's just how it kind of works. You know, Jersey's still mobbed up, you know. <laughs> He's getting us in all kinds of trouble. I'm gonna get phone calls and everything else. Allegedly, allegedly. I'll just put warnings at the bottom when I re-upload it. So <laughs> what what did you you did 20 years, you said. And and was it just time to get out for you or or what like what made that decision? Um 20 years and seven months, uh, another deployment was coming up and I, uh, I didn't have it in me. Um, it, it was that, and I had been an acting first sergeant. So if you, you had been in the army. Well, you know, like yeah. being, a, being an acting for being a first sergeant as an E seven is like the worst job in the army, you right. know, cause you go to the battalion staff meeting. It's like, somebody at the coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Roger. <laughs> yeah, you know, so there's that, and there's also like when I um E seven or Sergeant First Class platoon sergeant, that's like the last rank where you get to be out with the boys. Yeah, I guess girls now too. You get to be out with the jokes, mm-hmm. and um, you know, in my t- time as acting first sergeant, it was kind of nice. I remember the first time I was called top. I was like, oh, I like. You know, it was like <laughs> putting on a shirt, and you're like. Wow, I like the way this feels. Top. <laughs> hey, Top. Yeah, you know, I'll go do for you. Hey, we, you know, I like that. What yeah. I didn't like was like, hey, first sergeant, we uh, we have the, we need all the paperwork done for the vehicles by, yeah. you know, like because <clears throat> in the army, the first sergeant has a lot of the personnel and a lot of the supply issues, or at least you know, like like uh, 
uh, you know, beans, bullets, body bags, getting chow. Well, there ain't like, you know, driving two hours to get chow, pick up chow, drive two hours back. It's not two hours away. You can only go seven miles per hour on Range Road or the MPs will get you because you're making a dust cloud, you know. Uh, It was stuff like that. Like, I just wasn't built for that, you know. I wasn't, I didn't want to be a paperwork guy. You know, in fact, it used to be, you know, during the Civil War, you know how you became a first sergeant in the Civil War? No. How's that? You could read. You could read? You could read. If you could read and write, you you would be the first sergeant. Crap! I'd never make first sergeant because yeah, <laughs> right? Because you were the one who had to make all the lists. Who's at sick call? Who's you know injured? Who's whatever? The first sergeant did all the details. Hey, we need a, a foraging detail. You know, I need a list. I need a list. That was it's actually uh, that's what I used to say as a platoon sergeant. It's like you were the list collector. You know, hey, sorry about me. A list of everybody who's Protestant. Chapman's going to be here. Hey, sorry about me. We need a list of all the people who have uh, glasses. You know, we're going to get new glasses. Sorry about me. A list of all the list roommates who start making lists. <laughs> <laughs> Roger Top, like, he's just a freaking list maker, you know? Right. Yeah, that, it just, I don't know, it was, I was ready to be done. You know, it's been real. It's been fun, but it ain't been real fun. You know, right. I'm, I'm out. Um, 20 years and seven months. That was a lot of time. And um, yeah, I didn't see anything wrong with, I don't know. I, I, it was, yeah, I guess it was just the whole, uh, you know, not being able to play with the boys, you know, that experience as a first start just wasn't, just wasn't for me. I, I, I was done. And here's the other thing. This is something nobody ever tells you. So once you hit 20, yeah, the, you suddenly realize how everything you do can can ruin your pension. Right. So, like, uh, you know, I used to think I was around. cool. I used to think I was a cool guy. Hey, sorry. Hey, sorry. Can we can we can we can we take a Humvee to Burger King? Like, all right, yeah, take a Humvee to Burger King. Don't let anyone no, don't let anyone see it. But when you get close to that 20, you're like, you're not taking a Humvee to Burger King, you freaking crazy? Because now you're thinking, like, all right, they get caught and then you know they get into an accident and someone gets killed, and everyone and then I now I'm no pension. <laughs> you know, so screw that. Like, that's I, I actually think that's one of the biggest causes of douchebaggery in the military. It's it's soldiers who are so deathly afraid of losing their pension, you know, yeah, that sure. uh, they turn into complete jerks. So, you know, you got one? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, go ahead. Okay, so, you roll out, you, you're like, all right, I'm out of here. Cha-ching, see you later. And you, you jump out and you roll it right into cybersecurity. Software. I had a degree in software. So, yeah, they're they're all people are always hiring veterans, and I had done other work before. Um, so yeah, like it's it's people ask about that transition, but I don't think there was that. I think there was that big of a deal transition. Well, I think that's a lot. That's usually the hard part. I think the military is is once they leave, what do they do? Right? What what do they start getting into and things like that? So. It's it's something that you know that transition is actually difficult for some people because whatever they might have done in the military might not be what they can now do outside of the military. Outside. Yeah, I think that uh, I think if you start preparing for it, I think, uh, I think you also need to go in with a plan. You know, like you, you if you if you go in with a plan of like All right, I'm going to do four years, I'm going to get out, I'm going to go to college, whatever, then you know. 
It's I think the people and I think the people that do 20, at least they have that pension cushion. The, the only problem right. with the, the, the 20 year people is that usually they don't have housing. Yeah. Like by the time they're, you know, but the, now they're 40 years old and everybody their age has been paying a mortgage for 20 years. They're ready to pay it off. You know, they're, right. they got 10 years. Now they're starting from zero. You know, that's an issue, I think. Um, yeah. I think it's the people that get out at 10 years, eight years, 10 years, 12 years, they don't get out. They don't, they don't get out of the pension. Now, now they have, um, not the TSP. I think it is a TSP program. I think now you get some when you, when you get out. Um, but, the, I think the problem comes into play when, when people leave because of like a toxic environment, mm -hmm. they just can't stand their boss anymore. They just can't stand the BS. They can't stand the 5am PT formations, you know, um, and so they get out and they don't really know what to do. Yeah. You know? sure. uh, especially if they were, if they were infantry or something like that, like, you know, there's not a lot of skills that translate the security police officer. Right. You know, um, usually though, if you're, if, one of the things I have figured out, if you're a fairly hard charging, you've been in for 10 years, you're a fairly hard charging E6 staff sergeant. Like you can probably do freaking anything as long as you can spell. I'm sure you know it was like, well, when you're like, wow, this guy really, you know, when you talk to a guy, you're like, wow, this guy seems really smart. And then he sends you an email and you're like, what the? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, sure. that's why Will sends all my emails. I actually have dysgraphia <laughs> and I can't type or spell. That's the big joke with me. So right now everybody's in the chat saying, you're screwed, Paige, you're screwed. Stay in logistics. Um <laughs> No, so and then what made you like I said I did I, I do want to comment you and thank you that one of the, your videos you did was you wanted to make sure that that the information you put out is honest and true yeah. and, and you credit people and you learned yeah. a little bit of journalism to make sure you did it right. What actually made you start that YouTube channel? Like, what made you say I want to jump on here and and put my face on here and see where this goes? Well, you know, I, I had started with uh, I don't know. That's actually I don't know. I started with the the programming video, right? That which I saw, but like, what made you jump out there and say it's time I, for? I don't think I ever really thought that it would get that big, and so I didn't really see a big deal in it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, boy, that's I no, no one's ever asked me that. Like, why did you do that? Um, I don't know. I it it just seemed it it didn't seem like a big deal at the time because you know I'm dealing with a set of information. Uh, you know, of my previous videos where I put out a video, I get a thousand likes, thousand views, you know, two cents. <laughs> and, and that's, you know, that's it. Right. Um, but I, I don't know. That's, that's actually a really good. I, I don't know. I, I wish I could answer that question. I don't, I, I, my, my thought is that I didn't really, I didn't really think you would ever get that big. You know, I never in a million years thought, that people would be that interested. And I, I think I just did the video because it's something like I it, it's it's almost like like and I mean no offense to the people who have died, but it's almost like someone held a really big party and didn't invite me. You yeah, know? Right. So like for for 20 years I studied how to kill Russian tanks. Like that was my laser focus, you know, like I want to know how to kill Russian tanks. I'm going to kill these Russian tanks and they come across the fold gap. All right. They're not our enemies yet anymore, <laughs> but like, I've got to do something. Damn it. I'm going to kill tanks. Cause I like, you know, anti-tank stuff. I like my missiles. 
You know, I like this stuff. All right, well, you're light infantry now. Damn it. Carry the toe. <laughs> All right, Ron. So, like, for years, I studied how to do this. And I actually took my job seriously. Like, I was that dude who would, like, be reading manuals and books and stuff like that. Other guys were like, hey, we're going to the club. Beth, you want to come? Like, nah, man, I'm reading the manual. Come on, come out. Like, All right, I'll go to the club. You know, I, but I, I, I'm going to the club, but I'm doing it reluctantly, right? Right. right. So, uh, you know, for years, this was happening. And um, when Ukraine kicked off, yeah, I was like, oh, my God, this is what I've been waiting for my entire life. This is it. Right. Now, I, I don't know how well you can see, but my arm was actually amputated and reattached. So, like, I haven't told that story yep. yet. So, um, I, uh, I, I, no army in the world would take me. So, like, going to Ukraine and fighting, you know, and shooting mm -hmm. missiles at tanks, that was not in the cards for me. Even being 40, 47, you know, it doesn't, that, it's it's the arm is the big thing, right? Like I right. have trouble. I do. I work out every day. I have trouble like planking, you know, because it yeah. hurts. It's it's. I'm like the Terminator. I'm like all metal <laughs> from like here all up to my wrist. So uh, you know, I uh, I I think that there was a part of me that wanted to help in my own way. You know. Yeah. Maybe that was another thing. Once once it got big, then I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to give away all the information I got. Maybe it'll get to the right people. And I've had people in Ukraine say, yeah, what's your videos? I don't know if they're using them. Right. You know, hopefully they're not. Hopefully they're getting good instruction. Right. You know? Sure. Uh, but I think there were more for like people who were wondering, like, how would you attack a tank in an urban environment? You know, so. Yeah. I have well, another question I yeah. just thought of. Um, how do you, so like one of the problems we've ran into when we were just trying to like cover stories and like mm -hmm. I said, misinformation is what we cover. Mm -hmm. How do you, um, other than just having multiple sources, how do you wade through all the propaganda? This, this war has been full of just propaganda from both sides and it's hard to tell what's actually true and what's not, and what's just a story and who actually did it. Um, yeah. how do you, how do you wade through all that to kind of get to the bottom of your story? Um, some of it. So some of it is what what is the rep uh, is the source reputable? And I actually reached out to the Philadelphia Inquirer, uh, who's just like the only reporter I knew. I like contacted him like years ago, you know, when he did a story on Power Windows and siding because I had a bad experience with that company. But um, <laughs> I had um, I I um, I reached out to that journalist, and he basically said that there's a, there's a couple of newspapers you can trust. He said New York Times, Wall Street Journal, AP. Reuters. Well, you can trust those those four organizations. They they usually have pretty good fact checkers, which is kind of fun. It was kind of funny hearing that from because I'm like, dude, I've read the New York Times and I have found a <laughs> lot of mistakes in there, especially about guns. So, right. you know, like, I know a little bit about guns, and they're not always right about that. But all right. Uh, so he said that, and the other thing is like, it's it's kind of hard to explain, but it's what you can't cheat physics and you can't cheat chemistry, sure. right? Like those are, I should print that on a shirt and sell it. You should. Um, so one of the things that, that I've realized is that people who don't know, um, people who don't know how the military works, or who, who really aren't very scientifically literate, they tend to believe some of these stories. They tend to believe a lot of stories yeah, uh, and, and a lot of misinformation. And um, if you 
Well, I'll, I'll give you one one example. I guess I can I can toss that out there. Of um, one good example is um, the, uh, the the Russia will win. It's one that said you know Russia's going to win because they have hypersonic missiles that America can't counter. Yeah. All right. Let's let's unpack this. <laughs> um. Okay. So Russia has hypersonic missiles. Correct. A hypersonic missile without a nuclear warhead is what? Uh, a very fast missile. <laughs> it's a very fast missile. Right. That's it. It's a very fast missile. Okay. So, hypersonic missile costs seventy million dollars to shoot this thing. An expensive, very fast missile. Okay. An expensive, very fast missile. Now, something like that might be very useful for targets like an aircraft carrier, because now you've got you've got eight seconds. The Horizon aircraft carrier. You can see out about eight miles, roughly. Yeah, that's about so right. the hypersonic missile is going to cross that distance, and I'm doing some very back-of-the-envelope math in my head right now, about eight seconds. It's going to take about eight seconds for a hypersonic missile on Mach 5 to travel eight miles. So you can't cheat chemistry, you can't cheat physics. Try to shoot down a hypersonic missile going Mach 5, You've got eight seconds to do it. And remember, if you do hit that missile with another missile, the debris is still going Mach 5. Right. right. If something hits you, if debris hits you at Mach 5, it's going to hurt. Mm. Whether the warhead's been destroyed or not. You can't cheat physics, right? Okay. So you, you take, I guess you, you take the claims that people have and you line it up against physics and chemistry and science, and you just <laughs> say, all right, is this real? Is this false? There's been a big thing about reflectors. Um, I, did a, I did a couple of videos. I did one video about it, reflectors. So there are these radar reflectors that Russians have been putting up around bridges. Yeah. And you go like, all right, well, why are Russians doing that? Because HIMARS rockets, the M M31 rocket, that rocket doesn't use radar. It uses GPS guidance and internal inertial guidance. Like there's an accelerometer in there. Kind of like the one in your iPhone. It's an accelerometer. It's counting how many times the missile twists. And by that, you can figure out how far you've gone. Right. right. All right. So you can't. So physics. All right. You can't. We already know where the bridge is. The missile doesn't have any kind of active radar. So why would you have these reflectors up? Maybe it's not missiles. Maybe it's synthetic aperture radar from satellites. Maybe these things do some kind of synthetic aperture radar fooling from satellites. Right. But we already know where the bridge is. <laughs> it, it's on maps. You can find that thing. Right. So, <clears throat> so maybe it's there to fool the synthetic aperture radar. But if you do take out a bridge, mm -hmm. then... You're gonna have the Russians are gonna have to build pontoons to cross whatever river. They're gonna have to build a pontoon bridge or float people by on um, on uh, uh, tugboats attached to the pontoon bridge. Right. Well, you're gonna detect that because <clears throat> you're gonna detect the freaking line of traffic waiting to cross the bridge. Right. right. So why would Russians have these reflectors up? <clears throat> well. Logically, if you, if you eliminate things through chemistry and physics and science, it comes to they're doing it to say they did something. 
Wow. Uh, like in, a, in an authoritarian government, hey, I did this thing. So if this thing goes wrong, don't blame me. I put up reflectors. Like, right. <laughs> I think that's... Mm -hmm. So you can just imagine how wasteful things are in the Russian army. Everyone trying to cover each other's cover each other's asses. Yeah, and uh, it's weird because, like I said, with, with a lot of the inf you know disinformation and stuff that's out there, it's it can be dangerous, right? People that is what I'm seeing, or we see the most dangerous now is all the misinformation that's out there is actually now become dangerous because people don't know, and and you break it down where people can learn. Oh, that makes sense. And I, and yeah. I, think, I think there's, I think there's, for lack of a better term, I think there's power in disinformation, mm -hmm. and I, I see it, I see it with, uh, I see it with Americans sometimes, um, and I think it's a very, it's almost like Harry Potter. Like, why was Harry Potter popular? I'm a little too old for Harry Potter, but I've read it to my my nephews and stuff. So why was Harry Potter powerful? Why is it powerful to children? Harry Potter, but is powerful. Because Harry Potter is a wizard, but he's also a boy. And he has this powerful secret that the grown-ups can't understand. You know? Uh -huh. The grown-ups are afraid of and can't understand. And so I think if you're the kind of person who wants to feel powerful, what is more powerful than having information that other people don't? Right, right. And so I think that's kind of how some conspiracy theories might get started where people are like, well, I saw on this Russian telegram channel that the Russian, you know, the Ukrainians bombed their own building. And I can pick that apart real easy. <laughs> you know, like right. I did pick it apart. Right. They freaking dropped an incendiary in that thing, burned people alive. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. Right. You know, like that's that's not not nice man well i and it was even i remember watching the one the rocket that basically turned around on itself and went yeah. to, which is like uh oh all right we lost it no we didn't um and it, that's one that you know you narrowed down okay was it this was it this was it this i think it was this and and that's kind of where a lot of your videos um i believe help a lot of people because yeah. you break it down in reality with, with critical thinking and logic and common sense and science yeah, that that particular video came about. Someone was like, "Could so could the missile have been hacked?" Like, you want to hack some friggin' Russian PCB circuit board from 1966? Knock yourself out! Like, it's, this isn't a friggin' Macintosh. Like, nobody knows this stuff anymore. Everybody who programmed this is dead. You know, <laughs> nobody knows how to hack this stuff. And plus, you're you're gonna what? You, you're gonna have to get up close to it, and so it's not you can stick a USB drive. So like, let's eliminate hacking, like, because you have men with guns guarding this thing. You're not getting in there, and right? Yeah, I so yeah, the you know I eliminated the fact that it was a stuck fin because it would have. You know, normally, you're not guiding. You're you're trying to get up to speed, so the fins aren't moving. You know when you first come out, so the fins aren't going to get stuck. And if it had gotten stuck, it would have gotten stuck almost immediately. You know. Right. So it, it literally, it has to, so the one thing I didn't say was it could have also been burned through, which is um, if the insulator was bad on one side of the rocket, the rocket uh, exhaust could actually burn through. So it's burning through, let's say on the left side, it's burning through. And remember, if you remember the, uh, the, the space shuttle, when the space shuttle Challenger exploded, there was a little bit of propeller oh, yeah. through the O-ring. Well, 
Like, imagine that, but on a smaller missile. So now this thing's turning and turning and turning and turning and turning. I I actually, I wanted to do a follow-up video where I explained it might not have been turning in an actual circle. It might have been more of an oval because of parallax. We thought it was a circle. But, it, you know, you just don't have enough time sometimes, right. especially in a short. And what one of the things yeah. that I've done is, like, the shorts are to just get something out there quick and to gain members. And the long-form videos are, like, you know, eating your eating your meat and potatoes, right? right? That's like that's nutritious. Yeah, because that's what Will said, and, and Will did a good thing when he, he talked about on one of his shows. He explained that he's like, your shorts are just are, are enough that you're like, dude, do a long one, do a longer video. I want a longer video. Yeah, as uh, soon as I watched, as soon as I watched your shorts, I was like, man, I hope this guy has like some longer content. And then I went to your channel and found it. Um, it's it's a good hook. I appreciate that. Yeah. And that's, I think that's what drives the viewers. I mean, I still have that. I think one of my most, the most popular view, uh, the most popular uh, one I have is uh, this, this video. I think it's got like 15 point something million views. And it's the video where I analyze an explosion, whether that explosion is real. Cause someone said, is this real? I'm like, all right, let's take flash to bang. Let's take the shadows. I could actually calculate. I, I don't think I had enough time to do it, but you can actually calculate what time it happened based on the shadow. Like if you know the day when it happened, right? You, know, you can figure out, all right, the soda bottle is this tall. You can actually figure out exactly what time it was based on the shadow. Um, so I, I like that's gotten, I think I've gotten like 40,000 new subscribers just from that one video about me analyzing that explosion as to whether it's real, you know, and, and that it, it, <laughs> It still blows my mind build an entire freaking cryptocurrency system, but butt pillows. <laughs> That's what people want to watch. They want to watch the bu Russian butt pillows. Yeah, because so. I, like I said, I watched the crypto one and I, and I started going through that. And um, like I said, so I'm just going to probably have to start copying your format. Like, you know, you copied the Andrew guy so that I can get to 300,000 subscribers. I think I'll just copy, you know, uh, you with different. You're welcome stuff. to. You know, there's enough cake for everybody to eat. There. Um, I know that. I don't. I don't want to call it competitors, but I know a lot of people that watch my channel. They watch Piruan. He's one guy. Um, uh, he'll he'll do like hour long videos about logistics or hour long videos about why Russia doesn't have light infantry. Um, battle order. That's good. Uh, task and purpose. They're good. You know, I think there's enough cake for everybody to eat. Right. right. You know, there's we no reason for me to to d disparage. I think the the uh, the I guess the niche that I've hit is you know what you said is that I, I'm exp I think like stuff like battle order or task and purpose. A lot of that is is for the people that are into the army. Right. You right. know, because if you notice, like they have like war games and stuff like that as mm -hmm. as their sponsors. And uh, you know, for me, it's it's. You know, I, I got housewives in Iowa who are just like, wow, I didn't know that. You know, <laughs> like they just want to, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I one of the things that I, I, I kind of strive towards with my old channel, just the, when I just did programming, was that people should be, should be curious about their world and right. try to learn something new every day. You know, and I think maybe I did hit that, what, that one thing and people are like, wow, I didn't know. I did a, a video just today about, um, the Dragon's Lair competition, where yeah. um, soldiers in uh, the 18th Airborne Corps are competing in like sh a Shark Tank-like format to to show their innovations to the army to maybe get picked up and produced. This is everything from a tourniquet that latches within two seconds 
to uh, you know a device that gets put on a fork forklift so that you can move trailers. You know, like nobody knows about this. Mm -hmm. Nobody. And like these soldiers deserve to be recognized for what they do. You know, I I, I don't know what it's at right now. I guess maybe twenty uh, hundred thousand views. You can rub it in. You can rub it in if you want. Oh no, I'm not <laughs> rubbing it in. I'm just I'm trying to think like what's it at? And I think it's like this dragon's lair, one hundred forty-seven thousand. Yeah. So that was a short. Um, but now, like, there's people who didn't even know this thing existed, and hopefully, someone's gonna. One of two things could happen. Someone's going to go like, you know, I have an idea. I didn't even know the Dragon's Lair competition existed. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that up online, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna join that group, and I'm gonna see if I can submit my idea. You know, <laughs> Army Innovation. And there's other people who are telling me like, hey, I invented something like a 1972 that helped spray Agent Orange. You know, mm -hmm. keep kept the Agent Orange out of your eyes. Like, oh, that's awesome. Like, <laughs> I think there are there are. I do get. I do. Uh, I do. One one group, one demographic. I do tend to get are guys who are in during the 70s and 80s, and they love uh -huh. to tell me how it was. You know, like, that's that's awesome. I, I you know they are full of great stories. Yeah, you know, from that era. Yeah, man. Yeah, so um, I go ahead. Go ahead. Uh -huh. No, I was gonna ask you if you if what you wanted to ask. Yeah, so I, I know you had like about two hours, so we're I'm coming up on that two hours. So but yeah. I, I definitely want to have you on again. Um oh, I'm wow. gonna, yeah, because I'm gonna re up. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I had one from chat that's very important. We gotta answer before you leave. What whiskey are you drinking? Uh this is blue run bourbon. Okay. Uh, this is from uh Georgetown, Kentucky. And what I kind of like about it is that it's five percent rye. I'm actually more of a rye whiskey drinker. I gotcha. love I love rye whiskey. I love it. I I was actually supposed to go. I didn't tell people about it, but I actually I was supposed to go to the uh, to the on the bourbon trail. Uh, I was supposed mm -hmm. to to meet someone out there, and we were gonna go on the bourbon trail, and and I was gonna try to hit eleven distilleries in four days. <laughs> Thank God, my car drives itself. So if there's any uh, rye whiskey uh, sponsors out there that are looking to have a spokesperson, we now have one for you. His name is Ryan Macbeth. <laughs> you, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll you send me samples. That's for darn sure. Um, and I, I gotta tell you, I, uh, I love drinking. Like I love, I love it. I, um, I love this stuff. And it's it's not that I you know like I'll have a beer I'll have like a Michelob Ultra or something I never really got into beer wine like people like what kind of wine there's this one woman I go to this expensive restaurant with every once in a while you know and I have her order wine for me but like good wine is wasted on me like what kind of wine do you like the wet kind I don't freaking know <laughs> but this stuff oh my god I don't know what it is about it but um, God this stuff is amazing I really love. And I think this is good. Blue Run is good. I like Angel's Envy. Angel's Envy is amazing. Rabbit Hole is good. Um, God, you know, but it's like it's it's. Uh, God, I love this stuff. <laughs> so yeah, this is Blue Run. This is actually 111 proof. So this will be. Uh, I finished a good portion of it too. I've had what like six ounces in the time we've talked. <laughs> Something like that. Six eight ounces. I don't know. I love drinking though. 
<laughs> and on, on that note, um, I want to thank you for coming on. Like I said, and we're going to yeah, hope. I do want you to come on again. I, I had a little issue with um, connection, so I'm going to basically um, download it and re-upload it in high definition. Um, and then I want to have you come on again. But uh, if, is there anything you want to kind of finish up and saying? But we love whiskey. Uh, yeah. Um, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Is there anything? Yeah, you know, I, I want to say I appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, if anyone's here from my channel, I appreciate you guys watching me. Uh, you know, I could not do this without you. And, you know, for for everybody, you know, who's watching your channel, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to my stories. Oh, they're, really fantastic. they're fantastic. And and like I said, I appreciate you coming on. Will, you got anything left? No, that's it for me. Uh, I'll be live in just a second. Still on Twitch, guys. I'll be right back. Um, I'll see you in a minute. Cool. Uh, Ryan, if you want to hang out a couple minutes, I'm going to play a couple minutes of music as, on the on the out so they can do that. And um, I just want to talk to you for a couple minutes before you go. So if you just want to hang out, I'm cool. just going to kick you down to the back room. Um, and let me uh, basically turn off everybody's cameras. There's one down, one down. Let me do this. And uh, thank you, everybody, for swinging in. I will re-upload this in high definition. Uh, sorry I had the issue when we were live, but it will be up re-uploaded, and I'll make sure I get it right next time. So on that note, let's uh, we're out. Big dreams, I got big dreams since like baby. I've been joining forces with the 